I'm Adrian. Hi, I'm Calm Megaphone. <laughs> oh, if we're saying our names Sorry. that Squadcast gave us, I'm Fancy Feast. And I'm Calm Megaphone. Actually, I'm Rachel. <laughs> Welcome to After Adult. This is a podcast where we talk about porn and porn adjacent things, and also mm-hmm. probably 60% non porn things. Truly. <laughs> I mean, at this point, uh, I mean, we spend a good time on Squadcast catching up. We do. Yeah. <laughs> like once a week. Then we say, let's record. And then we still end up catching up. <laughs> oh, yeah. While we're recording in a slightly more like structured, formal way where we try to not talk over each other. Well, how are you doing, else. Adrian? I'm all right. Um, I am. I I go in and out of the stir craziness. Um, I've been doing a lot of home workouts, which helps because mm-hmm. for a while I just had no motivation to do any of that. Uh, oh yeah, my Trader Joe's story, real quick. So a couple, like two weeks ago, I was at Trader Joe's and the line was stretching all the way around the corner. Um, and so In I was walking up and I was like, shopping center. Yeah. So it looked longer than it was, but I had to remind myself like, oh, everyone has to be six feet apart. So like, it looks like a long line. But if we were all like a typical non-coronavirus distance, this would only be like, you know, a 10 foot long line or something. Um, but the guy who joined the line, a couple people behind me was like having a very, very loud conversation on his cell phone. And he was essentially like yelling into his cell phone about how um, we're turning into a communist country and he's oh being forced God. to stand in a bread line <laughs> and how it's like a conspiracy and he doesn't believe coronavirus is real. Meanwhile, in between sentences, he's coughing violently and he's also the only person in the whole line not wearing gloves and or a mask. Ooh. So, and I heard another guy in line just be like oh he's missing is a MAGA hat which it was honestly terrifying and it made me feel uncomfortable and like not even want to go into Trader Joe's because I knew that guy was going to be in there at the same time as me and it was uh, you so and I was also like why are you shopping and go to Kroger then if you don't want to stand in a line outside the store like there's other places you can shop dude you you gotta get that TJ's discounts or I don't know what are I mean they have things um, maybe he's a huge fan of like their mandarin chicken because that's the thing mm-hmm. I love and I buy all the time it's yeah. one of my favorite like frozen things from Trader Joe's I love it so much I am um, you don't have to line up for the liquor store <laughs> no you do not <laughs> um, you just walk on to, in I went to Kroger the other day and I felt like half the people there were not wearing masks mm-hmm. um which I didn't like. And then there were these two women who were talking. And I guess they were catching up. Except mm-hmm. they were like a foot away from each other. But since they were both wearing masks, it was fine. I just, oh, yes. Uh, totally fine. I'm just very tired. Um, I'm exhausted as well. Guess what, guys? The fact that I'm tired hasn't changed. <laughs> um, and, and our state has opened up um non-emergent medical procedures again Mm -hmm. and before this all started um jude was supposed to get 
an allergy test because his allergies are really bad. He hasn't had one in like 10 years, but he needs to be on shots. So literally like the day, the day that it, the day that, um, our state government was like, no more (laughs) non-emergent medical procedures. The next day he was supposed to get his allergy testing. Oh my God. But when you do allergy testing, you're not supposed to be on any sort of like allergy meds for like, you're not supposed to be on like Claritin or Zyrtec for like a week. And then you're not supposed to be on any sort of Benadryl for like at least three days before. So he is currently in the bedroom. Please calm down. Sorry. I I didn't realize I locked a cat in my room with me here and Lenny is like losing his shit for whatever. No. Continue. Oh, he's just, he's just miserable. He, the, he's very, he's like sneezing and his Ugh. eyes are like, he's, this is like the, just, also the worst time and place to be not able to take allergy meds. Ew. Yeah. They're so, so bad here. He's, uh, yeah, he's quite, he does not feel good. Uh I'm give him my condolences. Um okay, well. I'll let him know what the turnip prices are on my island uh later this week. Um <laughs> earlier this week the turnip prices on my island were sky high, so you know. Whoa. I'm talking about Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing people. Animal I'm sure Crossing some people update. listening still haven't gotten on board with me being obsessed with Animal Crossing, but yes, I'm still obsessed. Nothing has changed. Mm. <laughs> Did Oh, I said to you that 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 OnlyFans Animal Crossing thing, right? Uh, did you? I don't know. Or did you send it to me? I don't remember. I don't. I think I've seen so many Animal Crossing memes. My sister sends me a whole bunch too. She sends me like dirty ones that make me laugh, and then I'm like surprised that she's sending me something so dirty. But uh, yeah. My favorite one that my sister sent me was, um, so I know you don't like play Animal Crossing, Rachel, but do you, have you watched Jude play it? Yeah. At all? So you, do I you know, know what it looks like when- premise. Okay. You know what it looks like when something's buried in the ground? Um, no. All right. Well, shit. I'll, I'll just have to text it to you because it won't make sense otherwise. But, uh, essentially okay. it's just a photo. It's like a side by side of like what it looks like in Animal Crossing when something's buried in the ground. It looks like a crack in the soil, like hinting that there's something buried there. And then when you dig it up, there's like this huge gaping hole. Um, so it's a side by side of like the before and the after of like digging something up and it says trying to leave her like this. So it's, it's a gaping butthole joke is what it is. Yikes. <laughs> And my sister sent it to me. <laughs> Anal fissures are not a joke. Oh. Yeah, I was I've trying to find it, to and I don't remember who sent it to me. Oh, oh actually, I do. It was my friend Emily. Fantastic. So I'm trying to find it. Hello, Emily. Thank you for the Animal Crossing memes. So, uh... I, one of the things I was going to talk about is how I had to, like, and I mean had to, like, for my own mental health, had to take a break from social media this week. So I basically went dark and I, like, deleted the um, Instagram and Twitter apps from my phone. Not my accounts, because I remember I texted you about it and you were like, holy shit! And I was like, no, 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 not the whole account, just just the app. Um, 
Yeah, it's just, I've just gotten super exhausted with uh, reading um, stupid shit that people post. The I think the thing that made me want to um, do that was that earlier the day that I was like, I gotta take a break from this shit was someone just, and it was like a totally unrelated thing. I posted something on Instagram that was just like a, a photo of me, like a probably a provocative one because that's what I do, but... I just posted a photo on Twitter, and then all of a sudden in the comments, there's, like, a whole bunch of people saying super transphobic shit. And and I had to go through and, like, delete a whole bunch of comments, block a whole bunch of people, and it just sent me on this thing where I was like, why is anyone who's like that, like, why are these people even following me? I understand if you want to see boobs and butt, but, like, don't you notice that I post, like, like, I posted, like, a big, like, you know, feel the burn thing a couple months ago. <laughs> you can you can support burn, burning and be transphobic. Oh yeah, well, that definitely. I guess what I'm these people were like beyond. I understand it, what this you're was, saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I just, just surprised point out that transphobia, their political spectrum doesn't matter. Is what my experience has been. That is very true, and that's a great point. And I guess I I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself an intolerant person, but I um, I I guess I'm always confused when I see people having like very conflicting beliefs simultaneously. Oh, yeah. Just like when I meet people in the porn industry who are politically conservative but make their living doing sex work, and I'm like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, the people that you're politically supporting would rather your job not exist. It seems really odd and self-defeating, and I don't get it. Anyway, I just, like, had a whole mental thing, and I was like, I just need to get away from this shit. It's, like, not a break from sex work or from work, because I was still doing checking my OnlyFans and, like, my private stuff. Um, but just the, the general public of social media and the just the shit show that that can be sometimes so it was good i felt refreshed that's legit but you're back now i'm back now oh and then i i started shit again because i as soon as i got back on twitter i posted a a stupid video of me singing you know i use i'd like to use that karaoke app Mm -hmm. it's called smule smule sing yeah so I was playing around with that yesterday, and I was singing an Alanis Morissette song, The Uninvited, and I was like, haha, I'm gonna make a meme out of this. And so I made a meme that's just a tweet, and it says, when I see that one of my followers is a Trump supporter, and then it's just the line where she's like, you're not allowed, you're uninvited, and a whole bunch of people on Twitter are like, Oh, so now we don't have First Amendment rights. I Because I a... said I don't... Because I said that Trump supporters are uninvited from my Twitter. <laughs> that's, a, that's a straw man argument. You have First Amendment rights. And that was... And actually, that was you using your First Amendment rights. Uh-huh. And so it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's very... I hate when people are like, Oh, First Amendment right. That doesn't mean that there aren't social consequences to your First Amendment, to, like, right. what you're going to say. It's like, 
It's, me. You can't I, just say, oh, First Amendment rights. No, there are still consequences to what you say and how you represent yourself. And those my consequences reply. can be, like, if I, yeah. you know, if I say something and someone finds it and they disagree with it, they could, you know, they can do whatever they want with mm-hmm. that. They can message me and say they disagree with it. They can report to my company and say, look at what one of your employees is representing themselves as. And, and like, so those are the, it's also, it's just, you know, that's your first amendment rights do not protect you from the consequences of your actions. They just allow Mm -hmm. you to say things. Right. And like me not wanting people who are, you know, bigoted in some way to engage with me on social media does not mean that that's not equivalent to any restriction of anybody's rights in any form. My favorite reply to that was someone who was like, well, we may as well be in China then. And I don't know. I mean, call me crazy, but I don't think that my Twitter environment is equivalent to the country of China. That's a little extreme. I, I'm not China is what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, if I block you because you're saying dumb shit that I don't want to see, then that doesn't, that's, how does that make any sense? Oh, all right. Yeah. Rant over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so what are we talking about today? Um, this was your idea, Rachel. You get all the cred for this one. It was not my idea. It was Jude's idea. Well, Jude gets all the credit for this one. <laughs> Thank you, Jude. He was, <laughs> and he was, he was very upset that I didn't report back to him that you had agreed to it. Aw. Okay. He was like, I didn't know. I'm so excited. Oh yeah. Is he going to listen to this episode then? <laughs> Probably not. If he does... <laughs> Then I'm just going to say, I'm going to talk directly to, to him. Jude, thank you for the idea. I really enjoyed this documentary on Netflix. And I'm very excited to discuss it now. So, so the documentary that we watched was Circus of Books. It is available on Netflix. I'm sure it's available in other ways. Maybe. I don't know. But Netflix. Who doesn't have Netflix these days? Who... Get on the bandwagon, guys. Who doesn't? Um, It's also, like, it's a great... I watched it when I was, like, doing my makeup, getting ready for some, like, some kind of live show or something I was doing at home. So it's it's not incredibly long, which is nice. It's, like, exactly an hour and a half or something like that. Um, but yeah, do you, do you want to do a, a quick summary? You're, you're so much better at summarizing things than I am. I'll go on, like, a ten minute tangent about something else. So... Circus of Books is about the franchise bookstore. I think, I mean, I guess if you have two locations, you technically franchise. I don't know. Explain franchising. People, maybe not. I don't know. So it's just a bookstore that (laughs) is a bookstore. Yeah. Um, And the documentary is directed by Rachel Mason, who is the daughter of the bookstore owners. This bookstore um, has 
heavy. It has hardcore gay porn. It's and, they call it a and, bookstore, but I mean, they sell porn. And at one point, they were producing but their own books, films, but also porn. Um, yeah, and so it's about like you know her, what it was like growing up, what the business was like. Um, you know, it gets into some, you know, I'll know Family it when dynamics. I see it types of. Uh, what is born and like when the sales were banned and sort of the history and also the relationships between the family members. Yeah. And the history of how her family ended up owning this bookstore. Yeah. Which is like maybe the most surprising part was how it just, it's like wasn't even necessarily intentional. Like it's just, the whole thing was just wild. I was watching it the whole time going, oh my God, the mom reminds me of my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just yeah. so interesting. It was really interesting. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, you were just talking about I don't understand how people in the adult film industry can can be Republicans. Mm-hmm. And they didn't say, like, where on the political spectrum um, the mother fell. Um, yeah, they talk about her... Mo- they talked about her religious beliefs um and and the mother in particular like she was raised conservatively jewish and that was how she sort of wanted to raise the kids they couldn't really i think because the dad was (laughs) he was the dad is like totally not religious he's not anymore um he identifies as an atheist um but it even was really that, I'm like, how are people married to each other and one's super religious and the other one's atheist? Like, that's wild to me. That's just that's just how Judaism works. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. I mean, uh, yeah, because okay. <laughs> half of being a good Jewish person is also constantly questioning whether or not any of it has value anyway. It's like it's a religion of constant questioning. So that that I understood. I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, but okay, that's comforting. Um, <laughs> but I say it. But throughout the whole documentary, you see her and the husband to a certain extent. I'm pulling up. Mm-hmm. Hold on one second, because I want their actual names. Okay. Um, yeah. What were their names? They didn't really d- address them by name a whole lot. Okay, so Barry and Karen Mason. Got it. Okay, Barry, um, Barry and Karen. I God, I want to say Barry and Karen. I'm not <laughs> Karen. Um, and you know, Karen, and I feel Barry to some extent too. They had this real like disconnect from the business that they were doing in their personal lives. Yeah. And that was partially, and that was partially on purpose. They yeah. didn't want to be known as like smut peddlers because yeah. they bought the business in the eighties, and you know it was a war on fa- and and gay mm-hmm. and LGBTQ people were so, a assault on family senses, on sensibilities. They, so they had a real. There's a real disconnect between the work that they did and themselves as persons. Yeah. And that didn't, and I don't really, 
And I think still you can see it. There's still a bit of a disconnect, even though at a certain point they were actually producing their own productions. And, um, and, and we should probably clarify just for like context. It's obvious the second you start watching the documentary, because they get into this within the first like couple minutes, but Specifically, this is a bookstore in in L.A. I think they had a location in Santa Monica and one in Silver Lake, but it's 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 very gay focused, like it's almost hardcore. exclusively. Like at one point, yeah. she's looking through boxes of VHSs and shit, and she's like, "Oh, here are some straight ones. They're probably not going to sell at all." So it's almost entirely hardcore, hardcore gay porn, both like magazines, books, uh, VHSs, and stuff. Because again, it's yeah. you know. The, this business was thriving in, like, the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. When it was the, all on tape. I thought the most interesting thing was, like, 2000... They were like, this is exactly when sales really started to decline. 2008. Yeah. And, like, uh-huh. the internet was around then. That's when tube sites became... Because anyone in the porn industry would also reference that, like, 2007, 2008 as the decline. Like, that's that's when studios started to see massive like reduction in their profit margins Mm -hmm. because of piracy and tube sites and like x videos and Pornhub and all that um yeah coming every just popping up everywhere and so and it was crazy it's like it's like you could see sales were like maybe steadily they were actually like kind of going up and they dip and they go up and they dip and then it was just like straight line down (laughs) Yeah, just crash. Um, so this is, is so it's about a great like that. That would be. I mean, if you looked at any part of adult industry, uh, it, it that would be the same. Like it would be the same. Like straight crash decline. Probably honestly until like the last two years since OnlyFans started to exist, and you'd see like independent content creators being able to actually make money. Mm-hmm. But the studios are still gonna be on that crash, like that decline. Yeah, but they're. So the daughter starts filming because they're closing the store and retiring. Um, And the whole time the mom's like, why are you making a documentary about us? This is boring. What is this even going to be about? Like almost all of the like interview portions with the mom are just the mom complaining about (laughs) why are you doing this? Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was very funny, but I really thought that was, super interesting that it was just like um like the disconnect with how yeah their public and professional lives occurred and yeah it's wild like it's, the kids for example didn't even know like the like the Rachel the one who made the documentary, made the documentary. talking about being in high school and literally being 16 years old and all of her friends at school being like Basically the queer kids at her high school. And all she knew was that her family owned a bookstore. And whenever people asked, she would say, my family owns a bookstore. And then one day, one of her friends said, what's it called? And she said, oh, it's called Circus of Books. You wouldn't have heard of it. And all of her friends are like, oh, my God, your parents own Circus of Books? That's porn! And she's like, what? Mind blown! Like, that's, mm-hmm. it's so fucking funny to me. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... That, yeah, that was really funny to me because it's like, oh, you just, 
you just didn't know and and then but i feel like the disconnect really didn't come to head they have um barry and karen they have three kids and one of their sons is gay yeah and he didn't come out until college and he talks about how he didn't feel comfortable and he was afraid that his mom wouldn't accept it. He literally said, like, when he came out to them, he had already bought a plane ticket to fly back to college the next morning because he was like, well, I, it's totally possible I thought that they would have thrown me out of the house, which is mm-hmm. wild. Their whole fucking business. Like, they paid for his college with selling gay porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the mom admits she didn't take it well. Mm-hmm. Like, she totally is like, I did not, and it was because of my religious upbringing, not necessarily because, and it didn't matter, like, the work I did, like, they, and they also had, I think, a much more personal view of the AIDS yeah. epidemic than your average yeah. hetero couple, <laughs> like, average middle-aged yeah. heterosexual couple because of their because of who they their clientele were yeah and their employees they talk about mm-hmm. the employees that they lost to the aids epidemic Ugh. it's really sad you know yeah barry um the owner of the store tells the story about one of their employees um you know he went to visit him in the hospital and he passed and he called the family and the family was just like, I don't care. Not our son. Not our son. And he was like, I just don't understand. Um, Like a parent just completely abandoning their dying child. Yeah. Because you hate gay people that much. Well, I was going to add, so... The disconnect between the public and, or your public persona and your professional Mm -hmm. persona, was that something that you, you personally experienced when you first moved back here and, and were like, I'm quitting the industry? Like, it seemed like that, based on what you said, was something that really... The something yeah. that could have resonated with you. Yeah, I I think it did. And for me, it's like, you know, Siri is me. Like, it's the same person. It's just that when I'm performing and doing sex work or, you know, interacting with fans, I am in a mindset where I'm like, all right, this is, this is what my job is. This is like the task at hand right now. Like I'm, I'm going to discuss sexual things very openly and candidly. And, um, but then obviously it's not appropriate to behave that way everywhere in life all the time. So like, I don't, I don't make sex jokes when I'm at my parents' house. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's quite the opposite. Like my parents are fairly conservative and they're definitely sexually very conservative. So, I, I just compartmentalize those things. And so, yeah, I, t- I do get that because it's like this, 
it may not be intentionally put on me by other people. And of course, sometimes it really is. But um, it's sort of this very, it can be gentle pressure, but it's a very consistent pressure of feeling like this. I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm explaining it very well. Um, it's just like a feeling of pressure that this is something different that you don't want to share openly all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think also on the other way around, it's it was definitely weird for me when I left the industry and moved here um, and started working, you know, my first civilian job um, that sometimes when I did get recognized, you know, and I had at that, by that point I had made the decision that I was retiring from porn and I didn't think I would ever go back. And so it's not that I was like offended if I got recognized. It was more just like, um, mildly annoyed, I would say. Yeah. But there was like, you know, I remember one specific incidence when at my new job that I had gotten, one of my coworkers recognized me and, uh, we were we talked at work like I considered him a work friend, and he just sent me a to, like an unsolicited dick pic on Snapchat once, and I was like, I didn't get it because I didn't even know that he recognized me, and then I come to find out later, like he hundred percent knew and had watched my porn, and that was his assumption that I would be open to this kind of interaction with him just because I did porn. So it's mm-hmm. like, and that's a good example of why I was like so private. So like when you've told that story before of me going to the party at, um, at your house, not too long after we met and someone recognizing me and you were like, yeah, but probably don't bring it up to her. (laughs) And like, that's, that's one of the reasons why I developed that attitude about it. I was like, I'm going to compartmentalize this part of my past because it's very irritating and disrespectful to me when people, you know, approach me as a porn star when Mm -hmm. I'm not being one in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see the parents having that same worry. Like, you know, they want to compartmentalize this as much as possible because they have young children that are in school and they probably were worried about their kids getting teased or, you know, hearing bad things about their parents when, because it was common knowledge that their parents owned a porn store. So I can totally understand that, that mentality that the parents had. I think it's still so surprising that they're, gay son was afraid to come out like that to me was the most mind-blowing part of the whole story well i don't know if he really knew what his parents did because like rachel knew that's a good point they don't actually talk they don't actually they don't talk about how the other ask him if the other yeah so he genuinely might not have known at the yeah. time that he was coming out, that that's what his parents did. They do. So among the three children, they interview all of them. And I, I'm not sure the birth order. I think the son that came out of the closet eventually is definitely the oldest son. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, though, if Rachel's the youngest or the middle. But there is another son. I don't remember his name. But they interview it's him. And he I does remember... not get interviewed as much. Yeah, he doesn't have much. To... <laughs> Maybe he's the youngest then. <laughs> Um, <laughs> honestly, he looked younger, so I would guess that he's the youngest, but, um, the, the other son, when they ask him about it, he, he implied that he knew early on that it was porn because he, all the kids were instructed whenever they 
for some reason had to be inside the store, which would happen occasionally, like, you know, they're after school and like they're waiting for the parent to leave work or something like that. Um, but all the kids were under very strict instructions to look down at the ground and not look up at anything around them. And it sounds like they all obeyed that for sure. Rachel did. And her older brother did, but the, the other one, it sounds like he didn't cause he mentions how like, but you know, your eyes will wander. And so that kind of made me wonder if he knew more Maybe. Which would also make sense if he's the youngest, because usually by the time they have the third kid, the parents are getting a little bit lazy about stuff like that. And <laughs> that's how you end up with an accidental fourth child. <laughs> like my grandparents. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I think... I think it's just... I think even now, I think it's really nerve-wracking coming out to your parents and it doesn't necessarily matter um, whether you know how they are or not. Mm -hmm. I still, and I still think kids have, people have a hard time with it. I think that has a lot to do with how media portrays coming out. We focus a lot more on the bad, which I get makes like, you know, the, th- the thought is it's narratively more interesting. Yeah. But, and I do think it's important to tell those stories. But I think it's a lot more encouraging to see the stories where it's okay. You know, where it's okay to come out. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but there are still kids now who, you know, they may know and they definitely understand, like they have more understanding and they have the language because the internet is, um, the great equalizer, but they still feel the fear and the shame. Yeah. I know my, when I was in college and I came out to my parents, at the time I came out as a lesbian because I did not yet identify as bisexual. I had grown up having crushes on boys and, but never ever dating really. And then the kind of the first relationship I actually had was with a woman. And so I ended up coming out to my entire family as gay. And my parents were like way more chill than I thought they would be. They weren't, they weren't progressive in, Mm -hmm. In the sense that, like, you know, in the documentary, Karen, after struggling a lot with reconciling her religious beliefs and having a gay son, eventually she becomes, she joins PFLAG and her and Barry become essentially mentors for other parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's fucking amazing to see that character arc or, like, their journey. Um, And so I 100% did not expect my parents to ever have that kind of, like, I I didn't think they'd ever be activists or be, like, super queer positive, but but I did fully expect a lot of negativity from them, and I did not really get that, like, yeah, you know? In a sense, I think that's also because they didn't take it seriously. Like, so, have you ever talked to them? I truly think that they believed it was a phase, Yeah. So have, have they ever, ever talked, talked to you about it? Because since then, you've had mostly, like, serious relationships with men. 
So have mm-hmm. your mom or your dad ever been like, I knew I was right about No, college. there's never been a moment that it was like that they declared anything as far as like they think I'm one way or another in mm-hmm. terms of my sexuality. But there was a conversation uh, that happened within the last like six months where I was talking to my mom about some, it was like some private family stuff that we were talking about and I won't get into that, but, um, essentially my mom said something that made it very clear that she was confused about the existence of bisexuality. And I, and I kind of, I literally had to check her for a second and I was like, mom, did you forget that I dated a woman? Like I, I am, I identify as bisexual. Do I need to remind you? Like, it's, that's not, just because I've dated men since then does not mean that that didn't happen or that I didn't love that person, you know? Like, that was a real thing and that happened. Um, And it's it's just wild, you know? And this, my ex from college uh, also ended up coming out as trans a couple years after we broke up and then transitioning which I also had to remind my mom of because she's completely erased all of this in her mind. And, you know, so it's just, it's just interesting how like my parents clearly raised me assuming I was going to be straight. And at one point I informed them that I was not, and they treated it like, okay, well we'll see where this leads, you know? And then when I did start dating a man, later on and you know identifying as bisexual it's honestly, in their minds i guess it was like oh she's back to normal when honestly i think how that works and you know what's so funny to me about it i think the man the first man that you dated here yeah actually i guess the second technically but um, like the first the first person that i d yeah <laughs> he's technically the second yeah he, he is uh-huh Oh my god, don't know. <laughs> so, we don't need to talk about him. We're not no, going to we go don't. over the list. Sorry, of I just I just exes. made a gesture. And yeah, Rachel so just that... gestured at her head to signify a certain um fashion choice. Hat. A, a certain fashion choice of one of my exes that was quite perplexing. So, but anyway, like I think actually D, the first person you dated here is sort of like your parents' dream guy. Like oh, he was, 100% he fucking is. Yeah. He was uh-huh. a bit more, he he was a bit more conservative. He Which I didn't even know. I mean, more, his, his family was yeah. religious. I don't, I know he would do stuff with them. So I, I don't know if he personally <sighs> felt that way. He was very family oriented. Yes. He, and know, had a big family. Like, well, like me, which is, you know, a comfortable thing. Had he... Was he in the service? Yeah, he was yeah, also he, ex-military. Yeah, he, he was, was ex-military, and so I think for them, like to see you, and he had a sibling who was a cop, so like a very, very like military supportive, police supportive family. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. So I think for them, probably when you started dating him, and then like you moved in together, they were like. Uh, our dreams are coming true. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, he... Uh, 
I still think back on that relationship and I'm like, wow, I was clearly like not prepared to date anyone at any point. Also, I think you all, I do think you all in certain ways brought out the worst in each other. Oh, a hundred fucking percent. He, so here's a hint, like it, to everyone, everyone on earth who's listening, if you're in a relationship with someone who just, whether it's intentional or not, constantly presses your buttons, that is not a good or healthy thing. Like, you should never be in a relationship where every fucking disagreement is like, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate. What if I just play devil's advocate just for a minute? Especially when the thing that the person is trying to play devil's advocate about is basic fucking human rights for people of color. I want to, I want to tell you. that's probably not good. (laughs) I want to, I want to tell you years, years later, I told you so because the first time I met him. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. You can say that so many, you can keep saying it. So many years later. I need to be, I need to be shamed for the bad choices (laughs) of my past because that's how I remember to never make them again. I just, so so I would like to remind you. I told you so, because the first, after our first meeting, I was like, are you really sure? (laughs) You guys seem very different on these things that are like, you know, very different. It was, it was because we were talking about climate change in a Chili's after one of his baseball games. Oh my god! Yeah, and he didn't believe oh it, god. and he went to the bathroom, and I was like, I "Forgot about that." And I was like, "Adrian, this guy doesn't. This guy thinks climate change isn't real. Are you sure?" And you were like, uh, "It's fine." You know why though? I'm you were stigmatized. I'm a, I'm a, I, well, I was. He did have a very big, lovely dick, but so a little bit of that, yes. Um. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't, we're not, no more. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, so I'm going to reveal some of my assholishness here mm-hmm. for a minute, because also part of that was that I was like, sure, he's got some silly, weird beliefs, but it's okay. Cause he's kind of dumb. <laughs> like he's. And I knew that I knew that he's like, just not the smartest person. Oh no. He's just, he's just not a person who, like, thinks very critically. Like, I remember we'd go see a movie, you know, because I was dating him when Mad Max Fury Road came out. Uh-huh. And I remember going to see that movie with him and, like, his sibling. And after the film, I was, like, super pumped about all of the, like, symbolism and all of the different themes going on in that movie. And I was, like, immediately, like, this is, like, one of my fucking favorite movies, like... And that's, I was like, that's my Halloween costume next year. Um, and I just remember he was like, I don't, I don't see, I didn't see any of that, that I don't really think that, like, he just, right over his head. Like, he literally did not have any critical thought about what he had just seen. And it was so, and that movie kind of throws it in your fucking face. Yeah, it's not subtle. Yeah, it's really not. And he didn't see it. And that's when I was like, he's kind of dumb. Oh my. Like, <laughs> so he would, he would, we'd have disagreements about things, but ultimately, you know, eventually it was to a point where I could not tolerate it. But initially the disagreements, I was like, even if it was like stuff that was big to me, like climate change, the fact that he didn't necessarily believe in it, I was like, I'll excuse that because he's 
literally not like he he doesn't get it (laughs) which makes me a little bit of an asshole (laughs) truly does yeah i yeah (laughs) anyway i told you so but but you did you did tell me so and you you may continue to say that yes well i i think it's just interesting the way you can compartmentalize parts of your like so much yeah like you can and i think that's what this documentary is also about because like because of like the beast code like the dad almost went to jail because of the what i believe it's the Mies code oh i yeah i don't I, I wasn't watching it with subtitles on, so if they said that, I probably th- heard a different word. Um, yeah. But you're or, talking about the... Or, sorry, after the Meese report, law Got enforcement. Okay. Um, so, so what happened was normally they would only sell their pornography they had created to verified buyers, but someone mm-hmm. in their shop took an order for like somewhere in Pennsylvania and shipped it. And then the FBI, like, for transporting pornographic material across state lines. Yeah, they did a sting. They raided Circus of Books and they arrested Barry Mason. And, you know, he they thought that he was going to be in jail for like five years. And, and I don't, and I think. Their lawyer was the one who was like, nope, don't do it. Don't give in. Like, their lawyer seems cool as fuck. Yeah. Because they interview him throughout the whole documentary. Yeah. You know, it's just... But that seemed, like, so compartmentalized to them. Because it's, like, because they were not telling people about what they did. Like, how do you share that there's something that's so life-changing that could potentially happen to your family that's yeah that's i can't imagine the burden of that you know and did they talk about how old the kids were when that was happening they must have still been fairly young uh, yeah like i just oof. yeah that's i don't i don't remember because i watched it earlier this week yeah and <laughs> I watched it three days ago, which is why I was like, we gotta do this today because if I have one more day, I will forget everything I've seen. My I thought memory about, times out after four days. <laughs> I thought about rewatching it this morning, but I didn't <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're doing pretty good YouTube videos instead, but anyway, I highly recommend this documentary. I thought it was really cool, and not just because you know of. I, I actually thought it was really interesting to me because of the owners, not necessarily because of the material they peddled. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I thought that was really interesting because they're so there. It goes to show that like, you don't have to be a certain way to, to be industry adjacent. Like yeah. she was a journalist he did special effects on like Star Trek. He fucking and, invented a and then dialysis he invented machine. A dialysis what? 
or he didn't invent a dialysis. He invented a, a system that would be used in a dialysis machine to show when it was malfunctioning. Yeah. And so it was like, it's not necessarily people who you'd look at and be like, you, you're yeah. a smut peddler. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah. that's what they were. They so. had, and they knew Larry Flint, um, which I can't imagine anyone's like, who the fuck is Larry Flint? But Larry Flint is the publisher of Hustler magazine and uh, a, a huge part of why porn remains not illegal. Uh, essentially, he fought for porn to be um, protected under free speech. Mm-hmm. Which is the only reason porn... Like, porn technically is not on the books, like, specifically legal to film in most states. I believe the only state that has a very clear law that, like, it is legal is New Hampshire. Um, But it falls under free speech. Which is the whole thing with Larry Flint, was that they were trying to say all pornography is obscenity and is not protected by free speech. So wait, so New Hampshire is the only place you can, like, on the books where it's legal to film? Yeah. So why? That's always what I've heard. I would need to, like, Google the actual wording of the law, but... So why isn't the entire industry in New Hampshire? Because no one fucking wants to live in New Hampshire. Okay. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) There's, there's. I, a, just, um, I just would assume if they have a law there that they also probably have like tax breaks for it. Like they were just like, come here to New Hampshire. It's not. It's not like they're porn positive. It's just that like you, you can't get like. There's not really an easy loophole to say like, oh, you're making porn, blah blah blah. Like, mm. I'm. Yeah. Again, I'm not educated enough on the specific wording to be able to explain why. We'll, um, we'll research the law yeah, after we'll look, this. We'll look and, we'll, and we'll put a little post-show note in the notes. <laughs> yeah, but um, pretty much every other state, it's like, you could... So, for example, um, one thing, like a, a recent news story is that there's a couple in... Fuck, where were they? Uh, They're in, like, uh, Arkansas? Yeah, it was Arkansas. But there is a couple, like, a married couple who created porn, their own porn content, and put it online. Um, And they did have kids, but they lived in Arkansas, and someone that knew them in real life saw that they were making porn on the internet and reported them. And so this married couple got, like, CPS called, their kids are taken away, and they were sent to jail. Um... So it's like you're not making porn in front of your fucking children, but it's that like so it's not protected. Like it it's not a protected thing, which is why you know I've had talks like that with my mom, where my mom's like, "Okay, just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's like ethical." And I'm like, "Yeah, I I mean you know that's it's hard to have that conversation with someone who like has no interest in in porn." and its significance as an art form or anything else. So the conversation just kind of basically stops there. (laughs) Well. But, yeah. I also try to stay away from the argument of, like, porn's okay because it's not illegal, because that also erases pretty much all other forms of sex work. Mm -hmm. 
And it sort of creates this false hierarchy of like, well, it's okay to make porn, but then if you're doing sex work that's not specifically legal, then it's what? It's not okay? And Yeah. Yeah. So I always try to stay away from that, but yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I feel like that's... I feel like we should move into mm-hmm. post-credits scenes yeah, and not just it. because my laptop is at six percent and i don't want to oh my god well i have this other i have a zoom meeting that i gotta do for industry related stuff oh yeah That'll and be that's fun. like in 30 minutes so that's coming up soon we yeah. do actually so we just want to give some patreon shout outs um let's do it so john from new jersey uh richard, oh, hi, from, richard oklahoma. from oklahoma Thomas from Louisiana. Oh, Jan from Germany. And Kevin from the UK. Um, We're going to keep it that way. Even if I find out which specific city he's from, we're still going to leave it just the UK. Kevin, you represent the entire United Kingdom to us. (laughs) Until we have someone else from a different place in the UK. Then Um, Thank you for your support. Um... (laughs) We also have some new stickers. Um, we do for, have some new stickers. For when you join us, you may remember that I said I'm just a millennial husk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we made it into a, a rotting sticker. millennial husk. A rotting millennial. It is now a sticker that you can it's a own sticker. and and display. Um, you can put it on your water bottle, which is what I've done. Uh, I also put one on my kettlebell which is really fun because it looks like a happy face from far away, but then you get up close and you're like, that says millennial husk. What the Yay. fuck does that mean? It means I'm dying on the um, my, my partner pointed out that it's basically a redundant phrase, which I think is probably why I've latched onto it so much, and I think it's so fucking funny because, like, millennials, we get all the shit anyway. We're just blamed for everything. We're, like, the worst generation. So to call us a husk is also, it's basically like saying husk husk. It's true. Which is why it's so funny. <laughs> yes. So join our Patreon. Um, so, Patreon.com yeah. slash after Patreon, adult. Obviously. Um, <laughs> um, the sticker is going to be sent to anyone who's in the $10 support tier during the month of May and or June. Um, you'll get one sticker if you're a supporter. And if you joined for the first time and you haven't ever gotten a sticker from us before, then you're going to get the adult, the after adult, like official podcast sticker and the millennial husk sticker. Um, so please go to patreon.com slash after adult and support us there mm-hmm. um, and follow us elsewhere on social media. And we are after adult on Instagram. And I just want to say and- thank you <laughs> To the one person who actually subscribed at the hundred dollar tier, because yes, don't I, not moon, because I have not followed through on the part of the Patreon, and they've been very, very nice and understanding of the fact that I feel like since COVID, since self quarantining, I'm mm-hmm. constantly exhausted and have well, very little creative energy, and I'm just trying to not get sick. And not infect others. And they've been very, very nice about it. And I just want to honestly send a deep, heartfelt thank you. And you will get your story eventually. You will get your fanfic. I just, and Adrian will read it. I just constantly Mm -hmm. feel 
like I'm dying on the Instagram. No, that's not Let's true. Let's remind everyone um, that you are still working full-time during this I'm crisis. I am still working full-time. I'm, in fact, working more than 40 hours yeah. a week. I'm mostly yeah. I'm working somewhere between, like, 45 and 50 hours most weeks. And I... Yeah, I mostly and just feel exhausted all the time. Your job sounds... When you tell me about your job... I get exhausted listening to you talk about your job. You know, it's so funny. So, we had we had people come in to, like, review our processes to, like, help come on with, like, new ways of doing stuff. And they mm-hmm. – and I sat with them for two or three hours and they were like, wow, I feel exhausted watching what you do. <laughs> I'm like, oh. But doesn't that thanks. validation feel so good? <laughs> it's good and also upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah so, um i i love my job there's just a lot of other crap that goes along with it yeah. a lot of bureaucracy that goes along with it that makes it feel like a never-ending slog and i've had something particularly big come up and i've been in more meetings in the past two weeks than i've been on probably that i've been invited to in like that weren't just, like, general, like, team update meetings in my yeah. entire life. Oh, my God. Truly. Meetings, meetings, meetings. It's truly exhausting. Aw. It's so It's just, uh, the only good thing is that they don't have, I don't have to have video on, so no one can see me just be like, Ugh. I can just mute my, <laughs> I can mute my microphone, and I can just be like, You anyway. scream into a pillow. Oh my god. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, again, follow us on all social media. We're After Adult on Instagram, After Adult Pod on Twitter. Oh, check out wait. our Patreon. I have one other thing. Oh sure. Mm-hmm. What could this surprise be? Hey, Kevin, RS, nineteen sixty six. I make sex jokes all the time. It's not Adrian's undue influence. I was making sex jokes years before I met her. <laughs> and there you have it. Rachel, the sex joke maker. <laughs> Shout out to the you, sex Kevin, joker. from Discord. <laughs> coming in here with... Yeah. Coming in here. Another reason to join our Patreon, because you'll get access to the Discord, which Rachel is definitely on. And I'm when I say that now, I'm not lying. I just, I just don't, I just don't comment at all. I just see you, I just see you guys You're a post. lurker. I'm a lurker. You're a Discord lurker. I'm a lurker. I send screenshots wait to for the moment and I'm to like, strike. and I'm like, that's so nice. Or that's so wrong because I make sex jokes all the time. You don't reply to the, like, to people on Discord. You just screenshot when people mention you on Discord and then send it to me. Aw. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So just know, folks, on Discord, Rachel's here. watching. She I'm, sees you. She's like, I, Santa. I am China. <laughs> you are China. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are China. Rachel is China. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.